0: And a one and a two and a one two three four. Welcome to Industry Talk on House of Strauss. My co-host is the great Ryan Glass Spiegel of the New York Post. I am Ethan Strauss. Uh, I uh, a very accomplished Substacker, and I know that because I swung by Ryan. I swung by Substack headquarters today, and I got a free mug. You know, oh! I just think people should know that. They should know that. That's uh, you, get, you got a free
1: mug and I got called great. Pretty great day for both of us. <laughs>
0: this is a fantastic day for both of us, even if we are counter-programming against a lot of Golden State Warriors action. I know I got some, uh, some Golden State Warriors fans uh, among my readers and listeners, and they've got the return of James Wiseman in the G League. They've got uh, the Warriors going up against there's a little controversy over how nobody talks about him. And it's become a thing of the Jokic, the Jokic situation for the NBA. We might get into that. That might be something we'll discuss, Ryan. But uh, first on the old docket, uh, (laughs) it's funny, man. It's funny. It's this strange players versus the fans thing that it went away for a little while, but now it seems to be creeping back and returning as the pandemic lifts. It's just perfectly sequenced for that. So, Um, I'll try to do the expository on this one. I think it, I think it flows into today or tonight's game between the, uh, the Nets and the, um, and the Sixers where, uh, I guess a fan was removed for yelling at Ben Simmons who was not playing. Right. Um, and before that, uh, Russell Westbrook publicly, publicly, uh, just spoke about getting called Westbrook and, uh it's his name and it's a bridge too far. And his wife was on social media and his brother was on social media. And he's talking about his kids and that that's their name. This whole procession, it seemed rather insane to me, right? Is there, is there something about this that I'm missing before we get into it? Or was he
1: being extreme? (laughs) I think yeah, he was being extremely extreme because, (laughs) and, and, you know, there's like this, it's not even him because he's been defiant and really lacking in any type of like gratitude or like general self-awareness for much of his career. So it wasn't like, especially surprising that he uh, went on this kind of diatribe and really, you know, distracted from the fact that he and the Lakers have like both, not played very well this yes. year. He yes. any time you watch one of his possessions he's turning it over or taking a bad shot. It, um I I've I've never seen a player get as many minutes as he gets while committing as many turnovers and taking as many bad shots. And so there wasn't any acknowledgment of that. It is speech, even though it's something that we're all plainly aware of because they're the um, they're like the most probably. Well, the Warriors are the most watched team in the league, but the Lakers are the most talked about. Yeah. And so the
0: the team of first take,
1: it's not surprising that he did it, but it's surprising that there's this like group of people who defend everything that players do. And they're like, yeah, this don't call names like,
0: oh, my God. Yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm just going to jump in. I got a few thoughts on this one. First, a little bit of sympathy for anybody in the situation of failing in the public eye and being in the news. I think it is emotionally scalding in a way that unless it was happening to you, you couldn't even convey it. That being said, there's reciprocity in life. If you don't seem to give a shit about other people but you're demanding that they give a shit about you, that's not really going to work. That's not how any of it works. And nobody's saying that. Some people are saying it, but you mentioned how he's been with people. I mean, when, when you're in this bad a tailspin, the Lakers are losing. It's odd to me that you're putting this in the foreground, that you're getting called a name. You're getting called Westbrook. It's not even Westbrook. It's not even a vulgarity. And that's what you're making the main story as opposed to the thing that Laker fans are animated about, which is that the Lakers are really bad relative to expectations. That should be that should be the primary thing. And maybe if you don't like being called this name, there should be an acknowledgement of, oh, yeah, I wish I was playing better. But it's just about how people are bad and they're sullying your legacy or something like that. It's just narcissism. And then I know nobody likes the media. But in my experience on the ground, uh, when I was a tried and true media member, he was the worst to deal with. I I didn't deal with him. So this isn't coming from me. I didn't have any bad interaction I wanted to punish him for. But word got around that he was the worst guy to deal with. And he wasn't just bullying uh, some person you might not like who you think deserves it, some writer version of Skip Bayless or even somebody like myself, since some people don't like me. It was the lowest on the totem pole getting bullied, getting yelled at that they were too close to a chair or something like that. And he enjoyed doing that to people. Uh, what was so, the guy,
1: what's that guy in Oklahoma who he we went after like famously like five or six years ago?
0: I don't remember. I mean, I remember Donald Maybury probably had the best dynamic with him, but I don't remember. No, it was, guy it
1: was this guy who was like the long time Oklahoma.
0: Columnist. Oh, Oh my God. I can't believe uh, I'm drawing a blank. Barry, I am too.
1: And I wrote about this at the time. Where, he's a
0: legend. Like, I love the way he
1: talks. Barry Trammell, Barry Trammell.
0: Barry, oh uh, yeah. Oh, I love me some Barry Trammell. I love the folkiness of a Barry Trammell. So I, love, it's, uh,
1: I mean, this yeah. has been happening with Westbrook across several different teams. Um, it doesn't seem to dawn on him that nobody wants to keep him around for very long. It, it you know, it, it's very odd how unaware he is of how much of these circumstances he's brought on himself. And he's just so defiant and thinks of himself as this great winner, even as, um, they they have he hasn't reached the finals in a very long time
0: no i he is okay so he and others like him do you think that they're maybe a victim of the media culture that in a way uh I'm just thinking about the foreign poli- controversial foreign policy guy Mersheimer saying that the united states was leading ukraine down the primrose path towards destruction uh or, or the media by not criticizing in the way they would have done in the 90s in an overcorrection do you think that they're giving some of these guys an unrealistic idea of how the public sees them or how the public should see them that they start acting in this ridiculous fashion um i don't think it's the
1: media as much as it is the money because the way that the nba works with these max contracts and the way that like people like LeBron and Steph Curry and Giannis are pretty dramatically underpaid based on the way that these things are slotted. And so, like, I mean, LeBron and Westbrook shouldn't be making the same amount of money, but they do. And yeah. but he, he probably in if there weren't max contracts, he'd be making, I'd say, probably about half of what he makes. Yeah. And so I, I don't know like he wouldn't be able to be on a team with other stars. I, I think if there it's were more than the money. No max.
0: I, I think it's also the culture he came out of in Oklahoma City because they really insulated those guys. Now, Durant and Westbrook I think went about it differently and it impacted them differently. And now I just now now it's hard for me not to think about Barry Trammell's voice that's creeping in my head. I feel like I want to just start imitating Barry Trammell because it seemed like he was the only guy there sometimes that would ask a, a, a harsher question. I mean, he would do it in the folksy manner he did it. He would go, "Kevin, Kevin, <laughs> do you think?" <laughs> and the uh, then the question would come forth, but. I think maybe it, there's some of that to it, but it just seems like there needs to be somebody other than Charles Barkley. Maybe Adam Silver. This isn't the position he's ever comfortable with. He, maybe he just needs to say something. That look. Well, I well get, how about LeBron?
1: Yeah. Why can't LeBron say it out loud instead of being like passive aggressive about it? Like we we've see we we can observe with our eyes that LeBron is not happy with how this fit has gone with Russell Westbrook. Why can't it be him who talks about how Westbrook needs to play with more um, kind of deliberate um, team basketball?
0: I mean, LeBron does passive-aggressive. I don't know if he does direct necessarily. But we've got NBA agents. Founder, co-founder of uh, Move Insoles, of which I'm an investor. Full disclosure. <laughs> Nate Jones in the chat. He probably Couldn't thinks have we're being idiots. He probably, he probably thinks we're being idiots. He probably has some sort of actually informed take about the media. Let's get Nate on. Nate, Nate, Nate. Are you there? I mean, he's a he's an expert yep. at MD. Okay, there you go. There you go. I'm, I'm
2: an I'm an expert in the. Uh, much of nothing, um, including not being able to take my phone off a of mute here.
0: Hey, you wouldn't be the first.
2: So uh, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts
0: on this. Uh, you were part of the representation for uh, KD back in the day. You know a lot about Oklahoma City, and you are an informed person. Much as you're trying to be self-deprecating. So, what's your take?
2: Yeah, I, I'll, first of all, thanks for having me. On. I've been listening to you guys in the background for the you know last. Few weeks, month, or whatever it is that you've been doing, um, uh, you know, on the on the Oklahoma City Rush side, I definitely think that the um, you know the, their pr- approach to protecting players and on the PR side, kind of like you know, it was almost like they uh, encouraged the players to you know that they didn't have to treat media a certain way and like media was the enemy and like you know close ranks kind of thing. Um, and then I also think because of, you know, what Oklahoma City is and who they are and all of that stuff. Like, they're probably a little bit more, like, conscious about not pissing off players and making them want um, to leave there because of, you know, the location and all that stuff. Yeah, Russ kind of got the ability to do whatever the hell he wanted to do. Um, And, you know, obviously off the court he's done... I think the thing is we try to paint people as... Whether good or bad, and it's usually like yeah. pretty complicated, right? So Vast like, majority. I, I always said, Nate, when people would
0: ask about the Warriors players, I could tell you one thing about them that would make you think that they're a bad guy, and I could tell you one thing about them that would make you think they're a great guy, and that applies to the entire
2: roster. And that that applies to pretty much all of humanity, right? So, um, it, with with Russ, he you know he's really involved in the community, and when you talk to uh, players, they often say, like, off the court, he's just like the most regular guy. Like, he's not mm. caught up in being like a celebrity and, you know, all that stuff. So, like, he has like, a really good reputation in that regard, but then you go into, like, how he treats media, how he is on the court, like, how he hasn't changed his game around, all those different things. Um, the thing that made me want to pop in, though, was you guys talking about the max contract thing? Because mm. that's been, you know, I've been, I've been dying on that hill for forever um i just think the owners kind of outsmarted themselves with uh with the uh, uh removing the uh uh excuse me putting the putting max contracts in place to begin with yeah right? so you, you know now you have that that basically fueled the player player empowerment era or the player movement era because of the incentive i completely agree
1: yeah
0: the, I was inter- kicking myself for not bringing it up when I was on uh, Simmons. Uh, but it's your it's your fault. I was reaching out to you to get a greater
2: explanation of this. So continue. <laughs> yeah, so it's just the idea of, you know, a guy like LeBron, you know, at, at one point he probably would have been making $100 million a year. And LeBron really has never, you know, he took a little bit of a haircut the, to go to Miami, just a, like tiny, but... It's always been like I'm the best player in the league. I need to get paid the maximum money. You think he was gonna turn down one dime if he was able to get, you know, whatever it is, like this, you know, this guy's all about empire building and stuff like that. So in that regard, he probably would always been playing in Cleveland for the entire his entire career. And you think about what that does to the NBA when you're talking about players that become associated with a brand and like, that same story being told over and over and over and over again. You think Larry Bird, you think the Celtics, you think Magic Johnson, you think the Lakers, you think Michael Jordan, you think the Bulls. Like, And now it's very hard for a lot of, you know, casuals and things of that nature to be able to keep up. And then it just makes, I hate to say it, but even though you're, doing, you're dealing with billionaires versus millionaires and owners versus employees, um, I think the average fan is put off by the empowerment aspect, even though they're battling, you know, billionaires and what they're doing. It just seems like they almost like they, and I, obviously I'm on the agency side, so I, I don't see it this way, but I think that I can always put myself in the shoes of what fans think. And they look at it as, as like, these guys are out of control. They get to do whatever they want. This league is crazy. Like all of that. Right. So
0: yeah, they don't get, you know, in fairness to the players, it's not like the players get an obvious opportunity as to how to ingratiate themselves with fans beyond playing well. It's not an obvious thing as to what to do. It's cumulative. It's You seem like a good guy in a lot of different contexts. Uh, Steph Curry, for instance, tonight, meeting with a fan who uh, seemed devastated because she showed up and he wasn't there and he wasn't playing. So I guess Ritter, Raymond Ritter, Warriors PR maestro, organized a meetup. Curry, by the way, defended Westbrook recently in a story by Chris Haynes, which was is, uh, is interesting. But, um, so I don't think it's obvious uh, for players as to how to do that. But um, it seems like there is that lack of reciprocity that fans are picking up on. and They find it distasteful that the players just see their favorite teams as some vessel to enrich themselves and build their brands uh, for a very short period of time. Which is funny
2: yeah. because that's that's what the that's what owners see their teams as yes. to begin with, right? But like it, they're you know, owners are for the most part these anonymous like random guys that you don't care about whatsoever. You're not following an owner; you're following players and teams.
3: Yes,
0: yes, right.
1: So it's just it, the thing about Westbrook is it's he he just is like. No, I'm a big winner in the world. Um, it, it doesn't seem to dawn on him what the purpose of the whole like, com- competition aspect of this is. Hmm. Hmm. And, and like, you know, it's weird because what, what Westbrook is so good at is being, like, the best player on a, like, mediocre team and kind of, like, overachieving and driving them into the playoffs – and but he, he with this Lakers team, that that was like what the design was. It's like, okay, eighty's gonna miss a bunch of games anyway. So he always does. LeBron can rest and Westbrook can carry them, but his skills have diminished just enough that the things that people used to live with, which are the bad shots and the turnovers, now they're much more glaring. And yeah. It all came at a terrible time for the Lakers. Yeah, that can happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to interject quickly. And I might be speaking too soon here because Clay sure. in the background had a nice little run. And Andre Iguodala was fired up after Clay hit a three. But oh, I almost man. think the Warriors are going through a version of that. It might sort itself out. Clay might knock the rust off. But Clay is a player It's a very different role from Westbrook. But he shoots a shitload. And since he's one of the greatest shooters ever... That's fine that he's not passing the ball a lot of the time. But when you just diminish a little bit, it really flips from highly productive and anchoring to a team to detrimental. And so that's just a free association I just had because I like interrupting uh, our knowledgeable guest who's on. Nate, you were saying
2: yeah, I was just going to say with, with Westbrook, the thing that's killing him is that, you know, there, I think you can put players and superstar players in a couple of buckets. The guys that are able to continuously evolve and add things to their da- their game and – and um,
1: Jason know, Kidd, constant. for example.
2: Exactly, right? So, you know, going from Asen Kidd to Jason Kidd at the end of his career – um and wait wait,
0: did he do that nate did he do that by having a press conference where he said stop calling me Asin," and uh (laughs) and my family doesn't like it and that's my name did that resolve that issue for him or was it something else
2: yeah it's, it's, it's being able to take criticism and and judge yourself and all that stuff and i think um you know the thing with 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 russell is it's it's difficult for him to he just thinks like i've always i've done it my way and it's always worked and i have these accolades and if you look at i made this point you know months ago but if you look at his accolades for someone like him he's probably like why the fuck should i change why do why do yeah. i have to change like i'm you know 10 time all nba or whatever it is right like that's how many players in nba history are 10 time all nba players like he just has these these accolades that very few players have. And from his perspective, he's like, I'm doing all kinds of things that have rarely been done or never been done. And that's like kind of missing the point about, you know, actually winning games and doing all those things. And obviously, winning at the NBA level takes into a lot of things into account. But this isn't a guy that's just played on shitty rosters his entire career either. Right. So, yeah. Um, it's, you would think you would have that. Um, come-to-Jesus moment, look in the mirror and, like, kind of... Uh, Ooh, uh, the,
0: there's something else happening here that I don't think gets discussed enough. People talk about it with the Yankees. They bring it up about how guys go over there and those bright lights burn hot and you get ripped. For some reason, you don't hear that as much about the Lakers. There's an assumption that the media ecosystem on the West Coast is soft, and yet... When you go to the Lakers and you don't play well, it really hurts guys' legacy. They get crushed. Dwight Howard is one who really sticks in my mind as somebody went to the Lakers and took a few notches down as far as his public uh, reputation. And I think there's, there's an aspect of that happening as well. It's this particular team and how big its fan base is.
2: Yeah, 100%. I would, I would say, you know, the Lakers are the, the brightest of the bright lights and everything is going to be criticized. When they're bad, people care what's happening with them. When they're good, people care what's happening with them. When they're mediocre, people care what's happening with them. So if you don't have your shit together, it's going to be a long road for you. Um, and, and from what I understand, you know, not to throw him, completely throw him under the bus, but from what I've heard under understood from conversations with people that have played with him around the league or coaches that have coached him is he's uh, one of those guys that does not like criticism at all. Like there have been coaches that have challenged him in, in um, film sessions and he's, he takes it the wrong way. Um, Um, So you're like, how, how do you even coach someone like that? But then on the other side of it, you hear coaches and players say that at least publicly, they love him because he'll run through a wall, you know, he'll run through a wall for you. Um, But you're, you're dealing with those two dynamics that, um, you know, obviously polar opposite of each other. But I think that is kind of what puts him in a, in a position of of failure. In in another
1: way though, I don't totally blame him because he's doing what he's always done. It's Mm. kind of like, what did LeBron expect in a, in acquiring him?
2: Mm. Yeah. Well, when you're, When you're, when you're that great, when you're LeBron and you've been able to, for the most part, LeBron's been able to mesh with any player he's played with. Um, And for the most part, he's made those players better or they've been better as a unit together. Um, And this is like the one instance where that (laughs) is not the case. Um, And I think part of it is just Russ has one way of playing. He does not have multiple ways of playing. If the guy, I always say, you know, LeBron's one of the greatest passers of all time. High IQ. If you're able to cut or spot up shoot, you're gonna be you're gonna figure out a way to get good shots. But Russ isn't a great shooter, and he doesn't cut well. So where does that leave him?
3: Yeah,
0: and he's also, I mean, really validating
2: Pat Riley's uh,
0: phrase phrase quote about how the hardest thing to coach is an aging superstar. Nate. Um, we're going to make a WNBA pivot. It will dovetail with some of your thoughts on max contracts. Obviously, WNBA, eh, a bit of a fraught topic. Your choice as to whether you stick around for it or whether you go. What do you? Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump off. I listen to you guys. If I want to, if I want to turn back, if i <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, you know, I, I have no problem sharing my opinion. But I, I, I know, listen to what you guys, what you guys have to say, and then if I have something. To, something valuable to add. I'll jump back in.
0: That sounds great. And we'll, we'll do that. And then we'll take a couple of questions because we got people in the queue. Fantastic stuff, Nate. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Let's uh, okay. So a quick little, uh, is it a WNBA pivot or is it an international relations pivot? Because who's to say who's to say, because if you're following uh, the sporting world in the current events, Brittany Greiner, one of the best women's basketball players, uh, currently trapped in Russia over an alleged trying to pass vape cartridges through the Moscow airport situation. Now, um, this is, I guess, been going on for weeks. It took a while for it to get out. And it was interesting to me. Will Leach, the founder of Deadspin, uh, who is at New York Magazine, wrote about it, and it was just one of those perfect things where it might have been the headline, but it seemed like it just got everybody angry uh, <laughs> Article by him on both sides of the political aisle. He asked the question of whether uh, imagine if Tom Brady were being held by Russian officials right now. Um, why isn't the title was why isn't Brittany Grinder the biggest sports story uh, on the one hand, uh, there were people who were, I guess you could say broadly on the left, who were mad because. There should be an omerta on this because it's a delicate situation. The WNBA players aren't talking about it because they don't want it to get more attention and it makes it easier to resolve. And then on the other hand, there were people saying that this is woke bullshit. Of course, Tom Brady is a million times bigger deal than Brittany Griner. Shut the fuck up, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then when you read the article, it's actually fairly reasonable. <laughs> yes,
1: I thought it was going to be really dumb. <laughs> and, so we were texting privately about it. Yeah. Um, I saw like the backlash to it. I didn't bother reading it. They end up, that's a part whole, of the problem. <laughs> um, big part of the problem. I complain about that and I perpetuated it. But um, yeah, it he, he made some like very valid points, which is, you know, Griner I wish I could like say what I was like asked not to on this, uh, but mm. um. Griner makes about a little over two hundred grand a year in the WNBA. She's like the fourth highest paid player in the league, for whatever reason. And you got into this on your Substack. The Russian oligarchs love paying very like talented women's basketball players to play there in front of like mostly empty arenas. So she's making a million, million and a half there, which is like four or five times, six times as much as she makes in the WNBA. She doesn't really want to be going there. Um, she said that earlier, um, like before she went this off season, I read a story about that where she had said, it's... like she's not sure if she's going to be doing it again. And, and it's
0: far flung where she's playing. She's not playing in Moscow. It's a which who knows if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's one of the largest cities in Russia. It is far it is just past the ural mountains you know you're not even uh in europe i suppose at
1: that point and absolutely
0: frigid we're talking about an average temperature of three degrees in january but you were
1: definitely a place where you'd like to have a vape pen supply oh yes oh yes (laughs) um but the so uh, I don't know if we're talking about leeches part or like the, the laundering part now,
0: but take it wherever you want it. It
1: So the, it, it doesn't make like the, I, it, I have been studying this over the last couple months and it doesn't make sense to me how the WNBA has such little money to pay the players. Mm-hmm. I know that it's not extremely popular, but at, at some point you see a headline where like the women's soccer team, in New York, si- sells a crypto jersey ad for over a million dollars a year. And just this ad alone, if there were no other revenue for this NWSL team, that would cover the entire WNBA salary cap for the New York Liberty. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're not allowed to charter flights, as we talked about last week, with um, the Psy family and getting busted doing it. And I don't understand how they've been so poor at generating revenue when this, year is 20, when this league's 25 years old, but the NWSL can sell a three-year, like, I don't know, mid-seven-figure crypto ad in five minutes. I don't get it.
0: Well, part of it might be what Leach was getting at. Um, I don't think he made the point explicitly, but they seem married to an NBA model. So they've got their CBA, and it restricts what a max player can make, which works well enough for the NBA. I'm not sure if it works so well uh, for the WNBA, but everything they do is built off what the NBA does, which won't work for them because they need to differentiate. They are not as good as the nba rude as it is to point out though everybody knows it so you need to beat the nba or just introduce the idea that you're doing something different and it's hard to do that i think when you've got your model set up you're a subsidiary and i think it just kind of incentivizes a certain lethargy from the people who are planning this thing and trying to make it good and the players seem miserable and that's not exactly charismatic and so yeah, it's, um it's a disastrous situation and uh, we will see how it plays out. I wish the best to Griner and, and getting home and not having a midnight express uh, situation, but let's take a, let's take a question. Let's take a question. We got Yusarian on the horn. One of our favorites going to make him the next caller. See what he's got. Hey, how's it going guys?
4: It's going hey. great. So I got a, Comment on the the Westbrook situation and a, hopefully a brief rant slash question. Love it. So, so as a UCLA guy, obviously, like, I've followed Russell Westbrook for, for some time. And I don't know how well his college career is known or pre-college, his high school career, but he was, like, a very late bloomer in high school. And he was he was lightly recruited. I think he had some mid-major offers. And UCLA, obviously, is in UCLA's backyard. And one of the UCLA, I think it was Kerry Keating, sort of kept him warm. And then when Jordan Farmar left the Bruins early, a spot opened up. And so he took it. Um, and I think, and then he didn't, I don't think Howland, Ben Howland was the coach. And I don't think he started. He definitely didn't start or play much as a freshman. He played more as a sophomore. But I, I don't recall him starting very much at all as a sophomore even. And then he made the big jump right and and, and even yeah. then Presty, it was surprising I remember when he was drafted that high but you were saying right exactly right so I mean it was like he couldn't dunk in high school until it was like junior or senior year I mean I could be misremembering some of that but I mean I still can't dunk <laughs> <laughs> well you also haven't been drafted in the NBA so there's probably yep. some not yet relationship, some <laughs> sophisticated causal relationship that I can't quite make out there <laughs> but but uh I I just think he's got a chip on his shoulder from way back when that he's that he's like, he's proven all the doubters wrong, right? Oh, you're going to go to a mid-major program. No, I'm going to go to UCLA. Oh, you know, you're going to be a four year, you know, glue guy. No, I'm going to be a a two year, two year and out guy. Oh, you're going to be, you know, you're not going to get drafted at a high. And then, oh, yes, I am. And, you know, so I think he just has this psyche of like, I have proved the haters wrong at every turn, and I'm just going to keep doing that.
0: I think LeBron has some of that, too, and that's also gotten him into trouble, that he's been validated enough on his bold moves that people criticize that it's difficult to go, yeah, uh, a lot of this shtick is wearing a little thin. It's time to course correct. So even if one guy is playing a lot better than the other guy, they might have the same problem.
4: Yeah, so it's like, what are you going to tell him? Like, he's heard it before, right? I've heard people doubt me before. I've heard people telling me I'm doing it wrong before, and I've proved proved them that I'm right and I'm one of the greatest to play. And therefore I don't have to listen to the criticism. So obviously I don't know Russ personally, I have a a affection for him as a, as a UCLA guy, but that's, those are just some of my thoughts on that. Okay. What's the rant? And the rant is on the baseball thing. Um, Oh, nice. Oh, you guys were going to talk about that. this one. (laughs) Yeah. as As a, as a St. Louis Cardinals fan, since I was eight years old in 1982, um, Oh, God, uh, my
1: dad's listening, and you
4: just made him very sad because they beat the Brewers that year, but go on. Yeah, that was – well, I I lived in NorCal uh, that winter and watched Montana take the Niners to the Super Bowl, and then a few months later we moved to St. Louis and I watched the Cardinals win the World Series, and there's no front-runner like an 8-year-old, 9-year-old, so I've been <sighs> of those franchises ever since. But anyway, I don't want to drag this out too long, but, like, I the the designated hitter in the National League upsets me. Like, putting putting smearing ads on the jerseys upsets me. But I think, you know, all this stuff about, oh, pitch clock and and messing around with all this, it's like you guys are playing around on the margins. I mean, do, mm. it doesn't baseball have a generational problem? It's like Harley-Davidson, right? Old people like Harley-Davidson. Young people don't. And whatever you do, whatever Harley does to try and appeal to young people, it's going to alienate their core boomer yes base, right? Yes. And baseball's got the same problem. And it's like, I'm sure they must have done, like – uh, you know um, surveys and and uh, focus groups and whatever say oh you know if we sped up the game would that make you more likely to watch and people are like yeah maybe I guess so and it's like you know you should be I think they should be selling baseball as like the anti yes uh, social media sport the they, anti- they should be
0: selling it as we're keeping the seat warm for you when you age into it the way old people <laughs> age into listening to jazz Jazz is just always going to be around, right? Yes, there's a generational problem. Older people like jazz better than younger people like it. But all of a sudden, for a lot of people, they reach a certain age, and they just start liking jazz, and that's just how it is. I didn't like baseball 10 years ago. Now I like baseball a lot better. That might be its path. It needs to be the podcast of sports. It needs to be (laughs) the thing that is not so assaulting to the senses that you can have it on in the background. You can have it on when you're cooking, right? I need to pay attention to a basketball game. It's on in the background right now. I can't do this call-in while watching Warriors Nuggets. A baseball game? Leisurely. Sell the leisurely aspect. Exactly.
4: It's a break from the, the, the hectic, you know, go, go, go pace of everything and social media and you're on your phones all the time. Put it down. Get a beer and a hot dog, Right. Put your feet well, up. Well, these games are like 45 minutes longer
1: than they were 25 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a, true. That is a problem. I, yeah. I saw a Bill James take that I actually liked. Um that is one that I hadn't seen anybody else say. It, it was like, make it so you only get one foul ball with two strikes, and then your second foul ball is a yes. strikeout.
0: Yeah, none of that Joey Votto bullshit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Enough with the foul offs. Yeah, I mean, hey, I I don't know how wacky to go with the rule changes in baseball. It's funny people get passionate about. I had Will, uh, not Will, I had uh, Matt Welch on my podcast. He was mad about the banning of the shift. I like the banning of the shift. I do too. Uh, Yeah, I don't. I think I'm fine with that. It, it looks goofy, and they're just always scheming and standing exactly where they think you're going to hit it, and and you can you know,
1: hide bad defenders like with it in a way that you can't without the shift.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's too it's too much. It's too much of an an abuse of the rules. You need people to be playing their positions, and uh, yes, lefties have have had it good, and I, maybe it's a course correction, but. I just don't, I I think it's an unfair tax on lefties versus righties. And that's one I enjoy. I I like that one. And there are others that you could persuade me on. Uh, I think it's tough. It's a balancing act because part of what people like about sports is the continuity of the tradition, but yet there's a lot of inertia. uh, And there are a lot of things in a sport that aren't optimal, but we're just used to them. Uh, If basketball didn't have free throws, you would never be able to introduce free throws as a thing. People would go, wait, what the fuck? Like you're you, you you slow down the game, and and they 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 take. Imagine two a shots?
1: basketball and power plays instead of free throws. That would be better. <laughs> I just think, or, or just
0: one free throw for two points makes a lot of sense to me, um, to save time. Now there just there are a lot of things like that. They, imagine introducing the extra point in football if it didn't already exist. Uh, <laughs> it would be it would be just such an absurdity, and it wouldn't be accepted. So. I like the creativity, but they're going so crazy with it that it does seem gimmicky, and it's a clusterfuck, and I think I'm probably a modal baseball fan at this point in that I'm not very engaged. I think that it's run terribly, but when it comes back, I'll shrug, and I'll I'll start watching some games.
4: Yeah, similar. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Anytime, man. Let's get Yu Yang on here, and maybe maybe after Yu Yang, we can... uh, talk about you had you had a cold hey, bear take ryan we can get to that after you yay
5: hey man hey guys hi guys hey um you know I'm, i had to call i was trying not to call in because i call every single time but i, I couldn't eh? resist I, I couldn't resist only because uh i, I love yesarian i think he's one of the best callers like way better than me but he, he made, <laughs> no way way better he's a very intelligent guy and he speaks very well um but he did made it make a point that i heard very often about baseball but i just want to maybe not disagree with him but just kind of offer the other side you know, um, so okay. what he said about how um, um, how you know baseball is dying, or I mean, even seems that word how it's not popular with, with the young, the youth, right? How yeah. kids are not into it anymore. That is totally true, right? However, um, i I forget which book wrote about this, but um, there's a really great book that talks about how this kind of um, this kind of idea of how baseball is dying has been around since the 1920s, and it's exactly the exactly mm. the same things. It's oh, the kids are not into it anymore players are overpaid uh the attendance is going down it's like really the exact same uh complaints about but,
0: baseball. but hasn't baseball just been slowly dying since the 1920s it has not <laughs> it has not, it has not. <laughs> i know it's a joke
5: just, it's, it is not baseball it, no baseball, it's it's, it's,
0: a, it's you're right it's been slowly dying since the 1980s is this what's no, been no, happening not
5: even not even see i think I, I think i know what you mean by that right so i don't want to like uh pretend like i'm just in a blindfold you know yeah it's like baseball players back in the 80s were like huge, right? Like like Dwight Gooden was a huge star. You know, Daryl Strawberry. I'm not going to name every single baseball star, right? But baseball oh, star. Our,
0: our, our man must have been into some Ozzie Smith doing backflips. Uh, Willie uh, McGee.
5: Yeah, yep, <laughs> all those guys. They were huge stars. And I remember it because I, I was old enough to remember that stuff, you know? But the thing is, now they've been replaced by uh, basketball players. So basketball players are now the super famous ones. But here's the thing that like gets confused, right? Basketball makes a lot of money for other companies. They make money for Nike. They make money even for Twitter because they bring a lot of uh, you know, eyeballs. And they make a lot yeah. of money for YouTube for the streams, but they don't make money for themselves. Whereas baseball, they realize they don't make money by marketing uh, baseball players. Baseball revenues is $10 billion. They're doing just fine. So I don't know. I just have to go on a rant because I hear it so often. And I just, I just, I don't think that's true. You know,
0: I'm in between, (laughs) I'm in between the baseball is dying and what you said. I think the baseball, if anything, is so persuaded by that narrative that it might be making fatal decisions and overreacting um, and freaking out because people live longer. I think there's this sense of, Oh my God, here comes the future. And often there's an overreaction to that, and it's interesting. The weird one from a few weeks back was Daytona 500 uh, having the biggest gap in years and years of uh, viewership between it and the NBA All-Star Game. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense, because immediately the reaction was, well, Daytona got crushed in the younger demographic, 18-34, to by the All-Star Game. So, NASCAR dying, old, basketball rising young, But if you're thinking about it, how is that even possible? How can that be happening? In theory, the gap should not be at its largest if this trend line was just so predictable and inevitable. You've got the younger sport, basketball, that should be creeping up and beating Daytona. It shouldn't be uh, losing to it. So I don't think it's always so obvious what the future is. And I think I know you've got a lot of takes on this, Ryan, about how uh, the 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 olds are overly dismissed, and yes. were, were you saying Francesca was talking about this? You had some great uh, yeah. anecdote on Francesca talking about
1: Francesca's like. When's the last time you saw someone from eighteen to thirty four at a Mercedes dealership? Like they don't have any money, and so <laughs> you're like, you you gotta um, the like it, it's insane when. I don't know something like something ridiculous, like 75% of the nation's wealth or something is concentrated amongst the 55 plus.
2: Yeah.
0: But
1: the advertisers don't care about reaching them at all. And it doesn't make any sense.
0: It's because everything in our culture has been tilted by the inordinate influence of the boot, the baby boom generation. This is my theory that it got locked into the consciousness and it's always explained as well. Younger people are more likely to change their brand preferences. so That's why advertisers target them. I don't necessarily think it was that. I think that there was a point in time when Nielsen and advertising were huge, that the younger demographic was the baby boom demographic. And it was the first younger demo that just had walking around money, the wealthiest generation that the world had ever known. And then... Again, it's inertia. It gets locked into everybody's consciousness that people who are young are the only people who matter and the only people you should be advertising to. It is a legacy that does not make a lot of sense considering who has the money right now. And yet we just keep fixating on 18 to 34 like it's this magical category that should have uh, just predominate over the others. The 18 to
1: 34 year olds not only don't have money, there's negative money. Yes, With, like the amount that is collectively owed, and like student loans, and like car payments, and everything else, and so I don't. I, know, I think- instantly
0: got richer when I turned thirty-five. It's a doomed demographic to be <laughs> eighteen to
6: thirty-four.
0: <laughs> I joined Substack; the money started flowing. I'm just saying. Uh, but anyway, uh, you Yang, great as always. Thank uh, you. Let's uh, let us. Let us address Stephen Colbert, Ryan. You had a, a uh, Colbert take. You wanted to he made start, me so
1: right? mad because he, he did a bit basically where it's like, yeah, who what? Like to, if you don't like high gas prices and you don't want to empower dictators, then buy an electric car. It's like, yeah, you make 15 million dollars a year. You're <laughs> worth like 100 million dollars. Most people in your audience can't just like say, oh, I don't like paying $6 a gallon and empowering Putin. So I'm just going to go and get a Tesla. And by the way, there's like two things that are wrong with this um, take just inherently. First of all, home heating bills, when you're just going to go buy a new house, like, (laughs) that that's where a bunch of oil and gas goes as well. No,
0: it's, I I don't understand how this eludes people because I've seen this point get made that actually the gas bump isn't that big a deal. No energy prices drive up the cost of everything. Everything runs on energy. Um, It's obvious. I don't understand how this can elude somebody. Actually, I do understand if you're making $15 million a year, uh, maybe you just don't have to really think or worry about these things. But I, I looked at that with great sadness, Ryan. I was sad watching Stephen Colbert uh give that particular take. And I'm not somebody who reacts to one off take or looks at an excerpt and tries to hate something or whatever. I've seen a lot of it from him. I've seen enough of it from him. For yeah, him, Yeah, the, the thought, Vax
1: dance or whatever. Like yeah. he's been doing a lot of cringe. Over the last year, it might have been something where he just was like isolated in COVID and just, you know, totally lost a bunch of his sensibility. But the other thing um, with the the energy and switching to electric stuff is why don't you go like and look at where the lithium is mined in the world? And so if you say we don't want to like support dictators and autocrats with... Oil, what do you think we're going to be doing by like increasing our dependence on lithium? It just transfers it, it it's to different a, dictators and autocrats.
0: Yeah, this is dangerously lurching towards a geopolitics talk, but yet, hey, it's on my mind. I, I'm down to discuss these things. I am not an expert at foreign relations, at the war with Ukraine and Russia. I am not an expert. I do feel comfortable noticing when there's a lot of domestic group happening and emotional reactions are driving everything as opposed to rationality. I think I can take that much from a situation. And it would seem with sanctions that people go, oh, we need to do sanctions, sanctions. I, in my lifetime, have just not seen these work. I, I haven't seen the wh- where is the proof? Where is the proof of concept here? Uh, has it taken down North Korea? Has it taken down Iran? Um, Cuba? It does, yeah, it doesn't seem to work. It, it it hurts people economically. But the problem and the great irony is that the the sanctions are so often used against the very sorts of countries where they'll have no effect because it's a dictatorship. If it was a democracy, maybe, and people didn't like that life was getting worse, then they could vote out the leader who got them subjected to sanctions. But instead, the sanctions are used on countries that have a one person rule. So the effect is nothing other than often making ordinary people's lives worse. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't understand this whole plan of what we we have higher gas prices and punish Russia economically and then Putin, I don't know, is out through a coup. I mean it's just it doesn't it's not really being explained. It just seems like there's a sense of something must be done because Russia has done a bad war, but they have nuclear weapons and there's nothing really tangible that we can do, so we're just going to do this. And then it makes me sad because Stephen Colbert, who once was quite brave and talking shit to George W. Bush at the White House Correspondents' Dinner and completely humiliating him, and that was a moment where, yes, that actually did require some bravery, is now just this weird regime mouthpiece who, as you said, is super
1: cringe. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I I think, I, you know, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I don't think he's got anybody telling him what he looks like on the other side of the screen. Mm,
0: this is the theme. This is the theme of tonight's call-in: the lack of self-awareness from the ultra-successful. I aspire to such heights, Ryan. I <laughs> want to make so much money off my Substack that I get cringe and just have no idea, and no clue. No I want to return
1: none. to the WNBA. Thinks so I, I, sure. I. I had a question for you.
0: Okay. And we are, we're also taking uh, questions from anybody who wants to jump in the queue as well. But you
1: were saying, right, So you, you, you went into how, in your piece, about how it's kind of like laundering. And um, one of the owners got assassinated by, I don't know, some other criminal that he did wrong or whatever. What I don't understand about it is what it, what is the end of the laundering? Like, how does paying WNBA players six times what they can make in America um, allow them to like filter money towards other things.
6: Yeah.
0: That part of the picture is utterly unclear to me. I think that these teams are often part of a broader apparatus of a club. So you can move money around within that broader apparatus. You don't just have the women's basketball team. You have all these other teams. And even though that salary is exorbitant compared to the WNBA, it's not a lot of money. So maybe it's useful to just have a team that you can pay a few salaries that are a few million dollars when you're moving the money around. But as to how this all works, uh, utterly mystified by that. It makes intuitive sense to me that it would have to be laundering just because the enthusiasm doesn't seem to be there i was watching some of the games on youtube and these are not large arenas and there aren't people there aren't a lot of people watching so something isn't on the up and up but there is this inherent issue which is that uh you need uh high ticket prices to launder as uh one of our callers and substack uh subscriber joseph uh joseph tiddy from new zealand uh was pointing out so i'm not sure how it all adds up Nor do I know how these things are policed in Russia. I know that Putin, and this might be perhaps the only great thing that he did, uh, (laughs) which is dangerous to compliment on, but he was purging the oligarchs and breaking their control of the country at one point. So maybe these things are policed aggressively, but I don't know how you get caught and why you would need to launder money in Russia. Uh, A lot of it is opaque to me, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, do do we want to talk about the Nets at all?
0: I mean, they look. It seems like you're feeling them. It seems like you want to place a futures bet. That's what I, I don't got think I'm going
1: to because it's at a point where I'm riding with the Bucks as my horse in this. But mm. um, it didn't make sense to me after watching tonight's game that the Suns and Warriors would have better title odds than them.
0: Yeah thinking about that the Warriors are shaky I feel like that's a brand name thing Um and yeah I, I agree with you the future's odds are off but let's take a question from JF out of Canada uh, he might have some some answers for us as we are uh, asking questions aloud JF
3: JF how you doing yo hey what's up guys um, <laughs> so I joined late I'm just curious your thoughts on this Apple TV plus deal with MLB And, you know, how small the dollar value was uh, for Mm. these exclusive rights. And what kind of... They're not
1: exclusive. That was why it's so small. It was a rights package that nobody wants. It was... um, So Apple and Peacock, for people who don't know, are... um, They bought MLB rights for the first time. And the total of their two deals is like $115 million, which sounds like a lot, but you're spreading it across 30 teams, so it's like, basically, per team, it's like your fourth middle reliever, and it's not significant, but the reason um, why it's so low is because they bought games that are also on the RSNs, so the, um, the only people who would, like, ever watch them are out of market, so it's like the, the, there aren't that many people who, like outside of St. Louis and Oakland, who would watch like a Cardinals versus A's game. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course.
3: Uh, but, but still, it was, uh, for all the, uh, I guess the hype and talk around internet streaming. And yeah. Streaming I know platform. where JF's going Is JF is a bit of, um,
0: I'm not saying you're a contrarian. I just think that you have a different perspective that I'll, the, the there might be a TV rights bubble that's not being acknowledged when it comes to sports.
3: Absolutely. And and I'll even disagree with you guys like that I don't think the next uh TV deal will be bigger than a lot, the previous one. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's an expectation that will, you know, grow uh, you know, significantly in the next deal, but uh and you you guys think it modestly will grow. I don't think it'll even meet Kind of inflation,
0: are you talking about NBA or you're talking about MLB?
3: Uh, I think we saw in MLB that the last deal they did uh re up with ESPN last year was pretty much flat.
1: Well, that's uh, because ESPN is giving up these games that Peacock and Apple are picking up, and yeah. then the ESPN did a separate deal for extra money for this new round of playoffs, but Fox's deal went up a decent amount and so did Turner's because they have more appealing packages because they have more postseason games.
3: But, but I think like the dollar weighted volume on those deals, like were basically even from uh, their previous contracts, right?
0: Yeah. I uh, think, I think what JF might be getting at is that regardless of the minginess of the product in this case, that depressed the dollar value, it wasn't, Something that blew people away in the way that has been rumored. This sort of drum roll of uh, "here comes streaming." You know, it's going to be that's fair. That's totally crazy money flooding the market. Yeah, the only
1: thing streamers have gotten are packages that the established partners didn't want anymore, and that's Thursday Night Football um, went from Fox to Amazon. No one wanted Thursday Night Football. And then these like non-exclusive MLB games, which really, frankly, nobody cares about.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the really the lazy uh, media narrative is to, yeah, to treat these guys as stalking horses and having these kind of uh, bottomless, uh, you know, bank accounts to sign these deals with. But really, that's not what's happening. We saw it with this ML deal. Uh, I know Amazon sheltered a ton of money for uh, the exclusive rights. But just the streaming rights were just a fraction of what Fox and CBS was paying, uh, you know, for the previous years. I think they were paying sixty-five million dollars a year when Fox and CBS were paying six hundred and fifty.
1: No, I think you're incorrect there. I think I don't think that it's. I think it's. I think it's actually greater than what they're paying. Well,
3: yeah, yeah. Now, now they're doing it for a billion. But the three years before that.
1: Oh yeah, uh, those were nothing
3: yeah those were nothing. so the streaming rights were like absolutely uh just a you know ten percent of it and uh, and like I said, they just don't have the scale that's one of the problems. Uh, I think it works for Amazon Prime because they ha they reach you know a million or a hundred million ha- households um, yeah. apple t v plus i just they don't have the content it's all exclusive i, well, I what have,
1: if one of these companies just buys fox uh, it's i and
3: and again i just don't <laughs> i don't think uh well they did essentially right disney yeah. bought twenty century it, fox it, yeah to get I, the content it,
0: it, i like thinking about a lot of these things because it is so there's so much crazy variance to it um and you just think about how one guy can totally swing things if Bob Iger, and he wouldn't do this for reasons that Ben Thompson has enumerated, but if Bob Iger just woke up one day uh, or whoever is running Disney at the time and says, yeah, not really feeling it with the NBA, that would just tank the market for the NBA and completely shrivel and shrink their TV deals. So very few players in this. And when there are very few players, it, it creates a lot of variance in what these
3: deals can be. Like, I don't know what the future of Turner Sports is or what Turner Broadcasting is in 10 years. I, mm. I, I see cable. Well, TV I think they, and- I
1: actually do think that they actually buy Fox because, you know, Turner got absorbed into Discovery. And yeah. what, the, so right now they've got cable, they've got streaming, they've got international. What they don't have is a broadcast network.
3: But but the real money making was in kind of content production, and that that was really selling off to these, uh, you know, more revenue consistent, or I'd say, increasing uh, streaming platforms. Uh, whereas like their subscription dollars are declining from their carrier fees, and and then also the double whammy of the kind of the ad market is shrinking on them as well. Uh, mm. So I don't think, and that's the biggest problem with uh, these rights deal. Because they're, they're, it's fleeting entertainment, right? You can broadcast it immediately, but it has no library value. So, and that's, that's, that's why Disney that's a buys. Good po-
0: that's a good point. The lack of library value, as much as I, I loved ESPN Classic back in the day, but it just doesn't,
3: yeah, it doesn't really, it, 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 it's an ephemeral product exactly and and that's why you know doing a 3 billion dollar deal in, in the nba is just seems so ludicrous for a single year of broadcasting rights which what they're looking for right or asking when they could go out and buy the entire mgm portfolio for that right and get mm. every james bond film and every other film that they own plus the ip on top of that to develop new films based on those characters already existent. so and they can, and once they own those too, they can broadcast it worldwide instead of dealing with just having the exclusive rights within the US and then having to deal with Canada all separately, right? So mm-hmm. black it out of these other markets. So it doesn't make sense for them to be going after these properties the way that it's currently structured and you know where their value is. So I'm just very uh, bearish on the kind of, them <clears throat> projecting themselves as a kind of a uh, future, uh, uh you know, broadcast partner with one of these.
1: they yeah, got one I more bite at the apple.
0: Uh, yeah. I think they got one more. I, I think that this trend line of you get less and less popular and make more and more money, something about it can't sustain, but it does. I would think that the next deal, at least for NBA and probably for all these sports is going to be big. And then eventually, eventually the mute the game of musical chairs stops but jf could yeah. be right and he, I, he argues persuasively
3: if
1: and if you're I, right i'll give you your flowers
3: i, <laughs> I think you guys i, I, I,
1: I
0: don't like that phrase I, I feel like jeff van gutty had a broadcast I, I don't know about it's an over-applied phrase seeing that phrase too much i'm just throwing that out there
3: yeah because c- cable needs them just as badly as they need cable for the money mm-hmm. so uh you know it will get done at a you know overvalued price, but I think they'll end up losing money on it. And like you said, this will be the last, uh, kind of the last dance. The last (laughs) dance. I love it. Okay. Well, let's close out with Joe. Thanks so much to JF.
0: Let's get Joe from New Zealand. Get him up to the floor. Sometimes you can
6: hear the nature around Joe. I can hear the wind and the birds. It's uh, very on the (laughs) (laughs) nose. You can occasionally when I'm on the golf course, but um, when I'm at work, not so much. You might hear the gentle hum burr of the air conditioner, but not much else to, you know, to tickle your fancy. Sorry, Ethan. How are we anyway, boys?
0: Hey, uh, we're doing well. I think it's been a good episode. I think the theme of the episode is the lack of awareness of the ultra successful. I think that is I could make it more succinct eventually but that's been the theme so far the
1: whether emperor and skimpy clothes so to speak
0: <laughs> whether it's russell westbrook <laughs> lashing out about westbrook whether it's stephen colbert talking about how he doesn't mind paying for gas because he makes 15 million dollars uh the lack of self awareness from our uh, from our greats from our ultra successful people that's been a a topic along
6: with whatever we want to call the WNBA situation <laughs> well, I do want to pick up on the on the Westbrook um, thing. Um, I, I really enjoyed your your take on um, on you know on why Adam Silver might be looking to restrict access to the locker room. Wow, and I, re- no, I really enjoyed that. One. <laughs> and and I was I sort of want to put it to you though, like Russell Westbrook when I when I watch him. Uh, particularly interact with reporters. It's like I just instinctively know the guy's a bit of a dick. You know, yep. people will, like like Nate Nate Jones um, was saying, "Hey, look, he does heaps of stuff in the community." Yeah, sure, but like he's still a dick.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you
6: know, like I, I don't I, I don't need a lot more context to make that judgment. You know, mm. and and I just I was sort of thinking, well, is the NBA sort of overexposed to its stars in that? Like, hey, perhaps it was seen as a feature, not a bug, but perhaps it's actually more of a bug. Like, if I knew way yeah. less about Russell Westbrook, I'd probably enjoy the NBA more, to be honest. Yeah. So what do you reckon of that?
0: I've thought about that. It, it's a tricky one because there are definitely some people who have been overexposed. and If we knew less about them, we would be more fond of them. And that doesn't just go for NBA stars, but it goes for celebrities writ large, that celebrities – in the past seemed larger than life because we didn't know enough about them. So they were almost these mythical figures and that Michael Jordan is a little bit of a hermit makes him more alluring. Now that we can see LeBron James grasping for our attention over social media all the time, uh, Instagramming with captions and emojis like a teenage girl, um, he's less alluring of a superstar. But at the same time, they, I do think, need to be made available so we can find some sort of narrative to tie together because so much of what people like about these stars comes out of the media availabilities. I'm watching Clay Thompson in the background. So much of what people love about Clay, probably 90% of it comes out of interviews he never wanted to do. All the funny shit he said, all the spacey shit he said. It was all interviews he didn't want to do. So I think there's something to what you're saying. I just, My instinct is that underexposing will go worse than the current overexposure. And what needs to happen is just more of a course correction. Maybe somebody like Adam Silver actually representing the perspective of you guys have to not act like this. This is stupid. I'm not going to indulge this forever. Uh, you make a lot of money. This is part of how you make your money. You should be an ambassador to the sport. You are not representing the sport well, and I am not helping you as a commissioner when I pretend that it's reasonable when you're begging everybody to stop calling you Westbrick. You can't do that. That's stupid. Um, but he's never going to do that. But I feel like it would be good if he But did. it's
1: weird because, like, w- with what Joe is saying and – knowing more about the players makes us like them less. The football players aren't any less exposed to the public through the media and social Mm. media, and it doesn't impact their sports popularity. Yeah, I mean, Aaron
0: Rodgers, I think, is the most overexposed and maybe has the highest negatives, but I can never tell if he's just unpopular with media. Because he takes positions the media doesn't like, or if he's legitimately unpopular out there in the world, but that would be maybe one counter example. Joe, it's a legit, it's a legit question. Um, this uh, I
1: think it, it has to do with the fact that the NBA branded the activism into the core product, which is the games.
0: Yes, they 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 tried to brag about certain things cynically, um, thinking that they would get not only they they it's just the most cynical thing this idea that the fact that we're better people than you is going to make us rich uh that's not an appealing uh approach and people can see through it and then they can seize upon the hypocrisies and rub your nose in it uh that you say that you're about this that you have better values that you're lecturing everybody else but we can so clearly see that you're terrified to even say something as bold as Daryl Morey should be able to voice his opinion in the United States of America without getting fired. I mean, I asked that of Steve Kerr. I like Steve Kerr. I've got a good rapport with Steve Kerr. I couldn't even get him to say that much in defense of free speech. It is very hard for me to take anything he says after that on politics. Seriously. Well, he, I know he that actually sounds, said
1: he regretted that to the Washington as, person.
0: as he as he should. I know that sounds harsh. I like him. I think he's an intelligent person. Uh, but when you can't even do that much, right, it is difficult to buy the next proposition beyond judging it based on its own merits, I guess I should say. Um, Joe, did I go too far there? Is that too harsh towards old Steve?
6: No, I, I don't think so. Like, would probably – I'd probably think similarly. like, I, I sort of get the feeling that if I had a chance to sit down and have a beer with Steve Kerr, I'd come away thinking, gee, that's a hell of a nice guy, you know? That's but that's, that's what I've experienced. And I should say, I probably went too far
0: there. I should say not not take anything so seriously. I think it's just a matter of, yes, he apologized. He, he said, you know, he handled it in – Improperly, but just as an observation league wide, that was one where I think people said, "Hey, wait a minute, uh, these guys do not have uh, the convictions of their courage."
6: <laughs> yeah, all the courage, the convictions for that. Minute, well, I, but... I flipped it intentionally. I'm just saying, I was trying to be <laughs> trying to be tricky was... there. Oh well, you to be honest, you bamboozled me, and I've taken the bait, and I feel like a real ghost. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wonder. I wonder, Ethan. Um, you know whether the NBA needs to focus on just building a bit more mythology. Um, I've been mm. thinking a lot about, you know, how how it's really crucial for, for sports to have meaning. But, of course, yep. there is no real meaning. You know, it, it, it has to be kind of ginned up. And, and part yep. of, like, a huge part of that is, is the mythology. So that's, you know, that equal parts requires media to have access to players and also media to shield, I guess, or filter out, the worst parts of the, you know, of the players from the public. And that requires, I mentioned an enormous amount of, that that requires a real relationship with media, wouldn't it? You know, like for that to work.
0: Yeah, I think that, and that's something that it's funny we bring up Steve Kerr because he has been on the other side of that one saying that this is the golden goose that we're potentially snuffing out if, and he said it after Westbrook, was having these issues with media and wasn't answering questions and was just ignoring Barry Trammell. And I think Paul George started to do the same. And I think I interviewed Kerr um, in the aftermath of that. And he was saying that this is a real problem. Um, And it's a tricky one because I agreed with him, but it's a very self-serving look when you do that from the perspective of media of saying players should be nicer to the media or do more, media i think so much of the entropy in the nba has something to do with the power vacuum at the top maybe that's overly simplistic but it just seems like they need more more guidance and a sense of this is why we do what we do instead of this vagueness of yes the ben simmons situation is complicated and you know da 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 and the silver voice and the you know yeah you know players you know they feel no you need to say this is why we do what we do this is why you need to do what you need to do there just needs to be some more structure structure gives meaning uh structure i think uh allows some freedom brian
1: i think i am back oh
0: sorry (laughs) No, Ryan had to go deal with a, a kid situation. But it's as good as any occasion to close out on. Uh, Joe, do you have any any more takes or is it, are you <laughs> taped out before we exit? I'm,
6: I'm never quite taped out, um, Ethan. Um, one take <laughs> I, I, would, I would give is I've noticed that if I call late, I tend to get a, quite a good run in. But a quick one to close on. Um, you, you talk about the power vacuum at the top. Um, and, and the filling of it would help to create structure and meaning. And there's also the question raised earlier um, about, you know, why does it seem like maybe fans tend to side with owners in, in these sort of player empowerment uh, discussions? And I think that's really simple. It's it's the owners are our avatars. They own the team. We support mm. the team. Um, it's not that I support the owner. It's that I support I'm, – I'm a fan of the Boston Celtics. So what Grausbeck's interests are generally aligned with mine. Um, yeah. Whereas Rich Pauls are not. <laughs> so, so that, that's, that's my that's my. But take. for a
0: time, if you were a Laker fan, they were completely aligned.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, which was yeah. a uh, very well. strange conflict of interest. Um, yeah it's funny because a lot of media will make that point and what they're insinuating is that fans are racist. So they prefer the owner to the player. I think that is the insinuation. It's probably true for some fans. Jeez. I'd have to think, but your explanation is almost it's, it's I think simpler and thus more true That there's just more of an alignment that in most situations, what the fan and what the owner wants is more aligned than what the player and what the fan wants because the player just that's not
1: true in baseball, though, when when, Mm. like the cheap owner can just deprive your chance of winning for decades. Yes. Well, yeah, I think that
0: there is a difference there. I do. Although it seems like Reinsdorf almost flipped those somehow. And he's the odd baseball owner who uh, operates like a baseball owner in the NBA context and might care more about winning in baseball. But anyway, now now we're getting really digressive. It's something to chew on for the future. Uh, Thanks so much to Joe. Thanks so much to Ryan. I thought this was a great episode. I'm a little bit biased. Maybe I'm continuing <laughs> our theme of uh, people not having self-awareness. Who knows? Uh, we will be back next week. Everybody take care. Stay
1: safe out there. Until Thanks, next to everyone, time. for listening. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Ethan.
0: Of course. See you, everybody.